service your existing car with us right now and it's worth £500 off your next car. Yes, at Macklin Motors Toyota, we'll give you a £500 voucher off any of our brand new Toyotas when you book in for a service with our expert Toyota trained technicians. We even have complimentary courtesy cars available, so book your service now and get £500 off any new Toyota. Visit macklinmotors.co.uk or see us at Kennishead Road, Darnley. Macklin Motors, the new name for Toyota sales and servicing in Glasgow. Valid on services till 30th September, excludes Motability and Fleet customers, One five pounds voucher per vehicle purchased by 31st December. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com, your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go, go, go! Well, the League Cup's been off and running for the best part of two weeks, and tonight we're talking European football, yes, on the 21st of July. Mother will kick off at 7.45 against Sligo Rovers. That's in the second qualifying round that leads, uh, hopefully for them, to the Europa Conference League. Rangers could be bringing in Turkish left-back, uh, Reid van Vilmaz even, uh, but only if Besiktas lower their valuation. Fashion Sakala uh, might be on the way out as he... Uh, could well they might not be on the way out actually because he could knock back a possible move to France there's lots of interest that seems around Celtic midfielder Matt O'Reilly hasn't taken long but Ange Postecoglou is happy his players uh, get admiring looks uh, from the outside and he's concentrating on further strengthening his squad and we will hear uh, tonight if James doesn't uh, break the studio uh, from one of Celtic's latest additions Aaron Moy is going to be talking to us. Leanne Crichton is going to be talking to us hopefully as well. Leanne, how are you? I'm good, thanks Rob. Yeah, nice how, to be back on go. How's the injury? Getting there. Yeah, yeah. I picked up a, a silly knock towards the end of last season but it's kept me out of pre-season so far. Um, just now receiving a bit of treatment, hopefully get back on the pitch soon but the girls are flying so they won't be needing me this season. Ah, I'm sure right. of it. I'm sure right. of it. <laughs> So I mean, your player and your coach. Um, so your your playing might be might be a little limited, but um, but you've brought some some good signings in. We have a number of players that we've brought in, strengthening the the goalkeeping department. Emily Much has joined us from Hibs, um, which is a really good addition for us. Another standout so far is Lucy Ronald, who joined us from Glasgow Women. She played SWPL two last season, so she's stepped up this season, looking really good um, as pre-season goes. And we've got a good test this Sunday. We travel to Sunderland in a, a pre-season friendly, which will be nice. Um, down at the Academy of Light, we'll play down there, and I think just for the players, it's a good experience, good exposure. And it'll give them a gauge for what the level's like down in England. So so far, pre-season's gone really well. Um, a lot of preparing, a lot of planning. Thankfully, the weather's been nice, which mm. makes it much more enjoyable when you're out in the pitch and the sun shining as a, a little bit of Scottish heat. Will we be slapping England's women on the back for their comeback against Spain last night? I think you've got to give them credit. I, I did think, you know, looking at the clock, 82 minutes, they looked to be down and out and the pressure of the stadium and the noise... I think eventually the fans rallied and got behind them. They, they rolled the dice, made some changes, tweaked the formation, they got themselves back in the game and it's a goal that's worthy of winning any football match. I think, you know, Georgia Stanway takes the responsibility. She shoots from distance and it certainly wasn't going to be stopped, I don't think. You just see what it means to the players. They've invested a hell of a lot down in England. That's a bit that I think you need to give them credit. This isn't a short-term gain. You know, if they manage to... I think they've, it's a fourth consecutive tournament now that they've got to the semi-final stage, which is quite incredible. Um, if they could go all the way, it certainly would be worth the investment that they've put in because domestically, right now, they've probably got the strongest league in the world. 
that shot was unstoppable are England stoppable or who's your fancy to win? I think France and Germany are the, the other two teams remaining that have really stood out with a lot of quality and I think they'll have the same type of strength and depth to the squad it comes down to nerves, I think it comes down to holding your own in, in the pressurised moments, you've seen that last night um, Spain were comfortable at 1-0 um, as soon as the clock started to tick down and you get into that final 10 minutes the mentality changes, all of a sudden you start to retreat your, your decision making is affected so it's going to come down to the players that have perhaps been over the course that understand what it takes to get through the, these types of games but there's a lot of quality in the tournament I think it's been fantastic um, what a showcase you know, tournament for women's football certainly the visualisation of it the broadcast and of it uh, has been top drawer Yeah the fact that, that it's been on prime time BBC Excellent. television It's incredible I mean every night coming in even you know a couple of nights I've went out a walk after maybe the nights that I've been off training you walk by and you can see TVs on in houses just because it's summer and the windows are open and everybody seems to have these big massive 70 inch TVs that are on the wall and it's women's football that, that's on TV and for that it almost stops you in your tracks at times to think, wow, we're actually we're actually here. Um, and then you come home from training, eight o'clock at night, as you say, prime time spot, mm. um, stick the football on and it's women's football that's on TV. So it's been excellent. And, and that's what makes the difference because the standard and the quality, uh, as I say, it's been exceptional and it's been well worth watching. So if uh, Leanne Crichton is walking past your house and looks in your, <laughs> window, in your window, she is involved in a research project uh, finding out how many people are watching uh, at the moment um, and uh, there is nothing untoward. So uh, let's get that out of the way immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I, know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Um, we're going to hear from Aaron Moy um, who's uh, been talking today about his move to Celtic is a player Ange Postacoglu knows uh, very well of course from the Australian national team he's 31 um, he's from Sydney originally he had that spell of course uh, at St Mirren uh, 20, uh, 2010 to 2012 he was there he's been around a lot of clubs Western Sydney Wanderers he was at Melbourne City he was Manchester City briefly Huddersfield Town on loan made a big impression there uh, he was at Brighton uh, he played in China for a spell and uh, he's picked up 52 Australian caps along the way. Um, and here he is uh, talking today about the Ange Postacoglu style of play. Yeah, hopefully um, it's, a, it's a great time. Uh, the manager I obviously know from the national team for a few years. Um, he likes to play good football, play on the deck, quick quick triangle uh, patterns and I enjoyed it a lot when I was working with him in the national team so it obviously makes it a little bit easier for me uh, the transition because I know sort of what he likes so hopefully it all works out for for me and for everyone yeah, sounds really excited, doesn't he, about the prospect? He's playing it cool, isn't he? He is. He's playing it pretty laid by. Uh, I mean, Ange Postacoglu has had such an incredible hit rate uh, with his signings. And here's another one, uh, Leanne, that he knows all about. And I think that's important. You know, when you certainly a player that's 31 years old, you know, he's been about, he's done a number of clubs. What's important is that Ange Postacoglu knows the type of person that he is and, and what kind of job he can do for the club, what qualities he's got what skill set he has it's different from perhaps other players that are already there um, because I don't think Ange Postacoglu recruits players unless they're going to complement his squad I don't think he just brings in numbers to bolster um, I think he wants players that come in and can challenge and put the players that have got the jersey under a bit of pressure uh, because without that you know those types of those players in front 
tend not to perform and certainly not perform as well. So it's an interesting sign and it's that familiarity. Uh, you know, and as you say, going by his track record, I don't think you could really doubt the signing um, too much. Perhaps it would raise an eyebrow or two just because, you know, people would be going to 31, you know, it's a short contract. Um, is there a long-term plan? Is it, what can he offer? But Ange Postacoglu must know that there's something that he's got that could be special. What about uh, position? Where will he play? Early on in my career in Australia, I played in like a double double pivot. Um, but And then through the middle of my career, maybe a bit more attacking. But yeah, lately with the national team, I was playing as a lone six. So wherever I play, I don't mind. Just, yeah, I'm just here to help. It's going to be interesting how he slots into that midfield area because, well, right through the Celtic squad, there's massive competition. A lot of strength, isn't there, in that midfield area when you... You start to rhyme them off, you know, likes of Callum McGregor, who plays that pivot role, as he alludes to, that kind of six, eight position, mm. two central midfielders, um, or three central midfielders, however you want to look at it. He's a, you know, first name in the team sheet, but he's a player that plays 60-odd games a season, so is it an opportunity that you can rest him? Hatati, you know, looked to be a, a great signing last year. I would assume he would kick on again. Um, O'Reilly in there has been top draw since his arrival a young player as well lots of ambition lots of quality um, the one that, that probably I struggle to see where he'll fit in just now um, is McCarthy mm-hmm. you know, there's Hidiguchi really, as well isn't there Hidiguchi's there yeah there's, you know, and Rogic is gone so there mm. is places there when you look at the um, rotations in the squad last season and, and who would drop out Rogic was in O'Reilly was out O'Reilly was in Rogic was out mm. M- McGregor tended to be in the sheet all the time um, and certainly started the majority of games but McCarthy's just one that I don't see him being an Ange Postacoglu player moving mm. forward I could be wrong um, and when you are James McCarthy and you see another Australian who clearly has a relationship already with the manager who knows you would assume that he's going to invest in him. Um, so that could be alarm bells, I think, for him. So do you think he might not have been a, an Ange Postacoglu signing? I, I mean, he was signed on the same day as Joe Hart. Yeah. That, that may well have, those may well have been in the pipeline. And Celtic were panicking a bit at the time, it would have to be said, so. because they were so short of players. Yeah, when you look at the length of the contract, it got as well a four-year yeah. contract, which is um, quite substantial now when you look at contracts that are dished out, especially a player of James McCarthy's age and injury history that he had at the time. So that probably was a strange decision at best and did look like a panic scenario. Um Looking back, with you know James McCarthy, it was his, his dream to to come to Celtic Football Club. I don't think he would have knocked the opportunity, regardless whether the manager was in place or not, and had really backed him as one of his signings. He's had an opportunity though. He's there day in day out. He's on the training ground. He's in and around the club. He's had moments on the pitch. He just doesn't seem um, to have set things alight when he, he has had that opportunity. Uh, and Aaron Moore's just another player that adds pressure. Yeah, could be a a problem potentially that for Celtic. I mean, it pales into insignificance in a sense because so many of the signings have been so successful. Uh, but he's he's going to be on good money. He's on a four year deal. Get, uh, if Celtic want to loan him out somewhere else or try to to get rid of him, um, it, it's going to be difficult. But um, they certainly uh, seem to have a pretty well stacked midfield, well stacked squad. Uh, you mentioned Matt O'Reilly there. Um, quite a lot of talking going on about him at the moment. Leicester uh, have been quoted uh, with having an interest in him. It doesn't seem as if he's been too long in the door at Celtic, Matt O'Reilly, but he's, he's done really well. And it's not a great surprise. And the fact that he's broken through into the, the Danish under-21 team as well, that raises his, his profile. And maybe not a surprise that there's a lot of interest around him. Yeah, no, 
and I think when I look at um, Matt Riley when he came to Celtic, I didn't know too much about him. You know, when you start to research players and look at the background, um, a bit of digging in terms of the stats around those players as well. And, and when it comes to the stats, I've probably mentioned it before, but he's right up there. He's a top player. He's a top athlete. And when clubs look at that recruitment uh, process just now, that's one of the, the key elements of recruitment is how far they can run, how much they run, how much intensity they've got to what they do. Not only that, he's also a really technically gifted footballer and he slotted into that Celtic team like he had probably been a player that had come through the academy almost. You know, that it was a very seamless transition, um, top performances, real standout moments and he's a young player, as I mentioned, he's only going to get better. So, that, no, it's no surprise that clubs are looking at him um, but I'm sure that doesn't bother Ange Postacoglu too much. It means they're doing the right thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I have to keep checking his age. I was, I was doing it right there. He's not 22 till November. Yeah. Um, and I just can't quite believe that about him because he, maybe it's the maturity with Carries which he, with which really he plays. Well, yeah. He does, yeah. And he's, he's a player that never looks stressed. He doesn't ever get too animated looking on the pitch. I don't think he looks like a young player that at times could be, you know, it's probably stereotypical, but irate and certainly under moments of pressure, you know, could lose her head a bit or look frustrated. He, he strolls through games and he actually was very similar to a Tom Rogic type mm. player like that where his persona never changes um, which to have that at 21 years old is pretty impressive but he's clearly had a, a good education in the game values this moment in his career as well at the club that he's playing and performance wise and if you get the opportunity you know what is it to be stressed about really? Ah, exactly um, I was noting the, the comments of Ange Postacoglu today he says about the interest he says I encourage it if big clubs want our players that's great it means they're going well I keep saying to the boys they don't need to worry about their futures if they're the best they can be today that kind of stuff it doesn't come on my radar so I don't worry about it and, and that's very true isn't it I mean you look uh, you look across the city at uh, Joe Rebo, best part of £10 million to mm -hmm. Southampton uh, best part of twenty million pounds for Bassi to 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 Ajax. So that I mean that's what happens. But if if you're making massive profit on players, then you can't really be complaining. Well, this is it. You know, Bassi's a, a prime example. He didn't even play a full season really for Rangers. You know, he was there. He was on the bench. It was only towards you know the last half of the season when he came in and showed how good he could be and the versatility as well as helpful but I think the market in Scotland albeit clubs are now making a hell of a lot more than they once were but when you look at the other markets across Europe and what other clubs are spending um, for players like for like just based on the country that they play their football um, so Ange Postacoglu is right if, if clubs are looking at his players it means they're doing something right there's nothing to be stressed about and if you're happy in your day job Rob as well and, and mm -hmm. you've got any aspirations and ambitions to move on or one day go to the, the English Premier League performing is the only way that will get you there you can have as many agents as you want you can tout yourself about but if you play you perform you'll certainly get the headlights because the profile of being at you know, a Rangers and a Celtic as we've seen with Calvin Bassey in the Europa League run that was why clubs were looking at him because you have that profile and that starts to grow and you don't need to say too much about it just keep performing and the interest will come one player uh, going back to Celtic who's maybe moving further and further out of the picture I'm not sure if he's going to get many more opportunities uh, to get himself in and when you look at the attacking areas for, for Celtic they are just they've got so much going on uh, I wonder what you're thinking about Mikey Johnston Will, is there another chance for him or do you think he's a player that's going to be loaned out? I think he's a player that has got a big decision to make perhaps about his own career and his own future um, and at times I think as a player you can wait patiently hoping that someone else makes that decision for you 
But if I look at his injuries and I look at his history and I look at the amount of games that he's played for Celtic and the opportunities that he's had, I think he's got a lot of quality. I think he's mm. a, he could really be a top player, but what he needs is a run of games. I think confidence is built on substance. You know, you, you produce week by week and that's where your confidence comes from. It then is transferred back from the, the pitch in the training pitch, then onto the pitch in a, a weekend. So I think Mikey Johnson's got to make a decision for himself. Is he going to be a bit part player at Celtic? Because he probably ticks a number of boxes. You know, he's, he's had opportunities under Ange Postacoglu, but really going forward, is he happy being perhaps that player that comes off the bench for 20 minutes, 25 minutes in and out of the team? then maybe start some League Cup games. You know, he starts to play mm. the, the less important games, if you like, over the course of the season because there is a number of games, so I've no doubt he will get chances. But I just think if he really wants to make a name for himself and prove how good he can be, I think he might need to go and put himself out there. At the back for Celtic, uh, there could be a change of coming. Potentially it was uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfelt uh, most of the way uh, through last season. Uh, and the numbers were great, but there is still uh, that doubt, I think, in the heads of some Celtic fans uh, about Starfelt. He's come back injured, of course, with an injury on the back of uh, international football and hasn't featured uh, so far. And of course, in the meantime, Moritz Sientz has uh, signed the German uh, it looks a bit of a unit, uh, the pictures I've seen uh, arriving from French football. Going to be interesting to see if that could be potentially the partnership this season. Yeah, but I think it's good to have options there as well. You need strength, you need depth, your squads. I mentioned the amount of games over the season. Yes, there was question marks over Starfield, I think, at the beginning of the season. Um, defensively, Celtic didn't look comfortable, but over time that clearly changed and I think Cameron Carter-Vickers was a huge reason for that as well you know he probably was unfortunate to miss out even being mentioned in, in like say a team of the year mm. or a play of the year because he was um, so faultless at times and, and kind of just went about his business quietly and as a centre-back pairing they probably did that in a number of games uh, you only really look and, and put the, the spotlight over them when mistakes are made and, and there was less mistakes last year certainly than we had seen the year before so he's a player that I think will develop again but competition's good because what you don't want is players to get complacent, to think that their position is guaranteed. And any player that arrives in a pre-season always has the players that have been there previously on their toes, looking about, thinking, is he coming in? Is she coming in? Uh, do they want my spot? You know, maybe he, maybe Cam, uh, Starfelt, sorry, he's thinking, go and take Cameron Carter-Vickers a shirt because you won't be taking mine. Yeah. That, you know, that'll be the new centre-back mm -hmm. pairing. So that's the way I think a player's mentality would be. I think as a pundit or a fan looking at it, you could see it slightly differently because we can base our thoughts on the performances that we've seen over the last number of seasons. But certainly, as I mentioned, competition is always good and it's healthy, I think, for the squad. Leanne Crichton and Rob McLean talking football on Glasgow's own. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Your local friendly experts for new and used cars. Let's go, go, go! Cheers, Chris. Thanks for that. Another update in about 20 minutes on all the traffic and travel across Glasgow and the West. Uh, Hibs could be heading towards the League Cup exit door. Quite a few clubs and managers under pressure already. It is incredible, isn't it? Just a, uh, a few weeks into July. But that's the way it is. Hibs under pressure, firstly, because they lost again last night to Championship Morton on penalties that already lost at Falkirk in the group stages. Uh, and secondly, because they played Rocky Bushiri last night, who should have been uh, suspended after a couple of earlier yellow cards. Uh, someone at Hibs, Leanne, is going to be very unpopular at the moment. Yeah. Um, or could it be their saving grace that it looks like it's a, an admin error? Well, that, it could be a smokescreen for a, an exit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
know that they're in a tricky spot. And I said this, you know, a number of weeks back. I think for managers at this time of the season, there's a lot of questions over the League Cup and who does it benefit? Is it a good thing? Should it be happening? Is it too early? Um, which for a pundit, it feels pretty early. You know, it feels mm. like we've never stopped and we're back across the game. So I can only imagine how it feels for the players. But I think we've all got our heads around the fact that that is football now. There's not a big break. There's too many competitions. There's too much going on. Um, summer football, tournaments, you name it. Clubs are part of it. European football, the fact that the Scottish team's involved in that, it's always going to narrow that window. So for me, I think it is what it is and you just need to embrace it. Uh, there's no surprise that it's coming. You know, you, you knew when the season ended last year what date yeah. you started back. So you need to plan and prepare for that. Whether it comes down to recruitment or not, having players back, fresh, fit, um, available, whatever it may be. So the excuses, I think, have got to be eliminated at, at the very get-go. It's almost the same for, for every team. And I know there could be a few moments over the course that it affects different clubs in certain ways. But I think Hibs are a team that... If they win the games and they do really well, it puts them in a good spot because Lee Johnson can go off to a fly and I think, you know, fans would get right on board looking at it. You know, the quick start, they scored five against Clyde, they look to be free flowing football, then they follow that up with a defeat on the Tuesday. So then there's a you know question marks over that performance. Then they don't, you know, kick on and, and win the next match. People start to go, is he the right man for the job? He's immediately under pressure before effectively the domestic season in terms of the league has even started or is even close to get going um, but if you go on a good run I think everybody goes oh brilliant this looks great you know a couple of results doesn't matter who you've played they just look at the three points they look mm. at the goals that have been scored and all of a sudden there's that feel good factor so it can certainly work both ways um, and other clubs that are doing a better job at it just now but Hibs are one that there's question marks now over the level of performance and, and whether Lee Johnson is now going to mm. be the right man which <laughs> is so wrong really when you look at how short a, a time he's been in but it was the same with Sean Maloney. Um, they were ruthless when they got rid of Jack Ross as well. So the club cannot afford not to get this one right. And when I look through their squad, even from last night, I mean, it, it's a strong enough squad when you, you look at the players that were there from last season and the couple of additions that have come in, like Kenna came in with, you know, huge reviews and, mm -hmm. and people raving about him after the first couple of games. That he was, a, you know, looked like a real gem. Um, they just can't buy the results. If you use the Sean Maloney uh, sliding scale of games you get at Hibs, he's got about 15 left. Uh, Sean got yeah. Sean got 19 games in charge, uh, four already for, for Lee Johnson, two uh, really damaging uh, defeats. Um, and and I ju you just wonder, when you, when you win 5-0 against Clyde and then you go into the next game and you make six changes, what does that do to the attitude, the mentality, um, well I was at the game and <laughs> I think I saw what it did to the mentality they could have been two or three yeah, down at half time because I think that to me looks as if you're treating it like mm. a pre-season game a bit of arrogance where you maybe. would make those types of changes and uh, you can get away with that to a point I think certain clubs could get away with that I'm not sure that Hibs can afford to do that off the back of the performances and, and their league place finish last season because it just wasn't good enough by the, the club standards the fans' expectations uh, it, it, it fell way short so I think you whether it was Lee Johnson's responsibility or not, he is accountable for how they start this season. And as far as the fans are concerned, their season's already started. So, he, as I say, he's under pressure now. But to make six changes, I think even players would maybe be going, you know, let's just get a bit of momentum. Let's just play. You know, I want to play. I would rather play. I know I would as a player. I would rather play games than train. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's early on in, in the season where you maybe don't want to risk players with injuries um, and playing you know consecutive games too quickly together. But I think the players are used to that now. I th- you know, even I'm saying that in my head, saying that out loud, but in my head I'm going, again, that's just another excuse because that is that is the norm. Playing three games a week as a footballer has been the norm for a long, long time. Uh, and clubs need to get used to it. So the rotation part just becomes an excuse, you know, if that's the reason why you don't win the game. The other potential problem, of course, is that uh, you're used to playing European qualifiers. Hibs are a team, yeah. Aberdeen are a team that at this time of the season, you're, you're used to preparing for European qualifiers, not being involved. It's relatively new, the, the this League Cup format, but, but we've had it for the last two or three years, so we know it's there. You have to adapt. You have to get your hands dirty, in a sense, that's at this I'm, time of the season. That's what I'm saying. It take, it's no surprise. You know they, know, they know this is happening. Lee Johnson would have known when the first game of the season would be and that would be the League Cup group section. So, you know, he wouldn't be planning for the league starting, you know, and going, we'll just pass up those games. Um, I'm sure the fans won't mind, even though we're asking them to pay good money and come and watch us. Um, and there's a bit of broadcasting and coverage around the game. We'll just go about it and do our thing. You know, that's not good enough. As a hip supporter, mm. that is not good enough. Yeah. Um, and as you say, if it was a European qualifier that were playing at this stage of the season, would the, would the manager or the club be so blasé? And even the fact there's an admin error chucked in mm-hmm. there as well around Rocky Bashiri, which was just criminal. Um, really, that you, you, you have that oversight at a club with the amount of resources that Hibs have got, you know, that that goes unnoticed. And it's the first trophy of the season as well, isn't it? You know, if you're a Hibs fan, you're thinking, right, let's get back in the top six, let's get some credibility in the league this season, and also let's do what we've done fairly consistently in recent seasons, and that's get to semi-finals and finals. So if you go out in the group stage, that's one tournament gone already. Well, that's the thing, Robin. I'm not sure which manager it was that said it, but I read it online maybe last week or the week before. Motivate the players by not speaking about the group section. What about a packed out Hamden Park in a semi-final? That's your motivation, mm-hmm. a final. You know, so it's the, it's, the, it's the end destination as much as you need to work through the journey and the process. That's what you get at the end of it. You know, it's not, you're not just making up the numbers. You're not just hoping that you, you got to get good performances and a bit of momentum. You want to win silverware. That's the only thing you'll remember in your career when you look back. It's the one thing that as a manager or a player, people will go, he or she won this and that when they were at that club mm-hmm. you know they won't remember a run of 10 games they won't remember or he went unbeaten or she went unbeaten for X amount um, and they looked really good in <laughs> the preliminary rounds of the cup they go no they got to a cup final got a semi-final you know we're speaking about England women at the Euros four consecutive semi-finals now they've got to that is a team now that's got a calibre and a standard that, that they have and Hibs are one of those teams that's what they've had over the last number of years as you mentioned they've made a thing of getting to cup finals uh, in semi-finals and they look like they're just close um, close enough to passing it by already I think there is a natural comparison at the moment isn't there between Hibs and Aberdeen because uh, both had similarly disappointing seasons last time around they've made a lot of signings uh, they're trying to get back to the levels where, the, where they've been previously um, and what you see I mean Aberdeen are not exactly ripping up trees at the moment but, but they haven't lost a goal they've scored nine in their three mm-hmm. group games so far um, and, and they are starting to build a little bit of momentum make a little bit of progress Yeah and perhaps what Jim Goodwin had though was the opportunity you know he's six months ahead of Lee Johnson perhaps a bit more 
he's been able to get in at Aberdeen. He could see what needed changed or, or what Jim Goodwin wanted his Aberdeen side to look like. He was afforded opportunities to drop points mm. at the end of the season. And even um, even though he suffered look, a bit last season, it was a chance to, uh, to, to assess. Was, he was never seen as, as accountable mm. for Aberdeen's position, albeit no. I think they, they could have done a bit better even when Jim came in. And, and I think he's maybe been lucky enough that he's not carried that over into this part of pre-season uh, and the early part of the season so far. And that the... You know the early signs from Aberdeen, as you mentioned, they do look a bit better in terms of the goals conceded and whatnot. Um, so Lee Johnson and, and Jim Goodwin is, I think, you can pair Aberdeen and Hibs together. But I think in terms of managers just now, you might just need to cut Lee Johnson a little bit of slack in that sense. If he gets time, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. going by Hibs's standards, he's maybe got what fifteen games left or something to get it right, <laughs> which would be close to maybe what Jim Goodwin had um, at the end of last season. You know when he took over the job, so he's had a bit of time. He's brought in his new signings. He's got that feel good factor. They look as if they're enjoying it. The want away players, you know, like a Lewis Ferguson, that there was a lot of speculation around his career and his future is now gone. So it's another player that you need not to worry about because there's always that will he stay, will he go? Do you need to replace him? You know, will he be here for the season? And that can cause unrest within the squad. So I'm sure Aberdeen and Jim Goodwin will now be content at the point they've got to with the players and the recruitment, maybe try and add one or two before the window closes. So it's a little bit of early season pressure on uh, Lee Johnson that you could have done without. It's a bit early to be uh, pressing any buttons at this stage, but but it doesn't help if you're crashing out of the, the League Cup already. Uh, St Johnston have had their problems uh, in the first few games of the season uh, the problem for Callum Davidson is that that will be stacked on top of what happened last season uh, I think and, and there may be a little bit of unrest uh, unless he can get off to a good start in the in the Premiership Stephen Robinson is another one struggled really when he came in initially of course you know he was inheriting a team that was actually doing pretty well at the time St Mirren mm-hmm. which presents a challenge um, but when you get off to uh, when you get a couple of bad results as they've had in these group stages um, you know the St Mirren fans will be get, feeling a little bit restless at the moment yeah, and another one that's maybe making changes to the team as well and trying to utilise a squad of players rather than just trying to build the foundations um, for a winning team, you know, because that's really, really important. I think Stephen Robinson came in, as you said, St Mirren were in a good place under Jim Good when he left, you know, they were okay, they certainly weren't in crisis. Um, number of weeks went by and then there was, I think, a couple of excuses thrown about that you know, he needed to change things because it wasn't how his team should be playing and how his team should be performing. Um, and he had tried not to do that. Well, it already looks like he's maybe struggling to find that identity already. And there's not been too much unrest in, in terms of the overhaul of the playing squad either. So there has been a bit of consistency. They've added a number of players as well. But I just look at Stephen Robinson and the demeanour that he had towards the end of last season and I don't know if he'll get, you know, much time at St Mirren mm. to get it right. I don't know what it is. It just it, it, mm. it just doesn't look to me like it's a a happy matchup right now. Um, and St Mirren, I think we you know we grew to see it under Jim Goodwin, and they were a side that were probably almost punching above their weight for a lot of the time, um, recruitment wise. And there was always players there that were spoke about that were doing really well and, and linked with transfers and whatnot. And I feel like that's just fizzled out at St Mirren. I could be wrong, um, and I think St Johnston, as you mentioned as well, Callum Davidson. I think he's under enormous pressure even before a ball was kicked this season, mm-hmm. just based on last last season's great escape, if you like. So um, people will remember the cup heroics, but I think you can only live with that for so long. But the, as a club, they just don't look to me like they, they really want it or they, they really invest or they offer up too much of an opportunity even to Callum Davidson in, in relation to a transfer budget. 
that you could go and change that squad, that you can go and really inject energy and enthusiasm and quality in it to change their league position. Um, and they've lost a number of players as well, which is just players that are irreplaceable. They've signed Dylan McGowan, uh, sorry, Ryan McGowan, uh, St Johnston have, so clearly there's uh, an attempt there to try and uh, rebuild that defence, which was mm-hmm. the cornerstone of, of their success uh, previously. But they've lost significant players, haven't they? Yeah, and that's what every successful team is built on. I think that defensive um, capacity, the robustness, just the ability to want to defend. Um, St Johnston had that, they had it in abundance, they had you know consistency with their team selection, and, and that's almost been torn apart to a point. Uh, if they can bring players in and get, you know, Callum Davidson is proven himself as a top manager. You don't win two um, cup competitions regardless of, of how much luck you can get in a cup run. To go all the way and go over the line in both occasions was phenomenal, um, really historical. And I think he, he was able to show how good he was as a manager. But I think, it, as I mentioned, it goes back to budget, you know, and the types of players that you're going to recruit. But I've got no doubt that he, he can build a team with what he's got. And the, last season he was able to, as I, as I mentioned, that great escape and, and survive another year. But I just don't know how appealing that is for even Callum Davidson to want to do that again mm. and do it again. You know, so he might come a point where even the loyalty that he has to St Johnston and the affiliation that he's had for a number of years, it might come a point where he says, you know, it's time for me to move on. You know, I don't think you can ever leave a club too early, but you can certainly overstay your welcome. Um, another move that's uh, happened uh, today is Danny Mullen. He's left Dundee for Partick Thistle, uh, another team in the Championship, of course. Uh, so he's gone there. there there's a lot of speculation that Conor Ronan uh, could be on his way to Aberdeen. I know that's been spoken about before, but uh, maybe the significant bit is that Hearts appear to have uh, distanced themselves now from any interest in him. Um, he is at Wolves. Uh, it could it would be a loan move you you would imagine, uh, but but that could happen and 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 he would be he would certainly give Aberdeen something that that they probably don't have middle um, to front. It yeah. would perhaps fill that void that, that Lewis, Lewis Ferguson, Ferguson will vacate. Yeah. You know, I don't think he offers the same level of physicality as what Lewis Ferguson would give you. But looking at him last season, his performances, his goals, his moments of brilliance, technically he's very very good. He's versatile in the positions that he can play as well. Whether it's that deeper role or a more advanced midfield role, he's got it all. You know, he's a Wolves player. He's a Wolves player for a reason. Um, but he really embraced the challenge last season, I think, in Scottish football. Uh, and that goal that he scored at, at Tynecastle, I was at yeah, that game, yeah. was uh, outstanding. So if he could produce moments like that week in, week out at Aberdeen, or to have him back up here in Scotland and playing, you yeah. know, whatever it may be, um, Hearts were a link as well. We welcome good players into the Scottish League, and that's certainly what he was last season. It's maybe a pat on the back to Lewis Ferguson that, that Aberdeen are potentially needing two players to replace him uh, because they've signed uh, Ramadani, the, the Albanian international midfielder, who's looked good so far in, a, in an anchoring sort of position. Uh, Ronan uh, would be further forward um, because Lewis Ferguson gave a lot to that midfield. He did, he did. Um, he's a he's a quality player and that's why he's he's got the move that he's got, you know, and good luck to him because I think he's worked hard for it. He's got his head down. I don't think his uh, journey in the game is been as, as easy at all I think he's had to prove himself he's went in at the deep end you know at Hamilton he's got his move he's gone to Aberdeen he's had a really good four years um, he's been a standout for them week in week out although through some tough times as well but the maturity levels also that he showed for such a young man as well I think is admirable so he's moved on Jim Goodwin as you say will have identified the strengths and weaknesses that Lewis Ferguson will have, have had um, and he'll try and complement that he'll now know what he wants from his midfield and I think to have options in midfield as well. I think when you're a team like Aberdeen, 
I don't think you want to just play the same way because I think they really fancy themselves that, you know, can they go and be that Aberdeen side that under Derek McInnes were, you know, a real tough nut to crack when it came up against Rangers and Celtic as well. So you need to play different types of football in mm. those weekends. becomes a more defensive um, style of play. You want to have that fluency middle to front. You want to have goal scorers. You mentioned a moment or so ago about St John's. So you need a strong defence. You need a midfield that can run and can work hard and that can score goals. Um, if you want to win football matches and up top, you need goals um, and creativity. And they look as if they're getting close to that, I would need to say, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two hours from kickoff at Fir Park tonight. It is European football. It's a second qualifying round in the Europa Conference League. Motherwell against Sligo Rovers. Get yourself along there tonight. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com Representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland Let's go, 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 go. Quite a lot of transfer action going on, not surprisingly, involving Celtic and Rangers Both clubs have been holding on to some of their top talent, some of their more experienced players as well But uh, also freshening up the squad, so important at this stage With uh, Celtic knowing exactly what's ahead of them, the group stages of the Champions League Rangers hoping to be there as well but a couple of barriers uh, for them to cross uh, Union SG uh, is their first uh, challenge uh, games on the 2nd and 9th of August that's the the third qualifying round of the Champions League they have done business of course already like some Matondo and Lawrence and of course a defensive uh, uh, hiring in Ben Davis a defender uh, left uh, footed defender what we uh, we had to uh, add to our squad more than happy that uh, that he joined us and uh, looking forward to, to, to work with, with Ben uh, in the coming seasons yeah well I mean it's sometimes you know you make uh, you make moves and in the end uh, you know, it doesn't uh, go as planned, and uh, I think Liverpool was very, uh, uh, very good for him. Uh, of course, he wanted to play more minutes, but uh, you know, we will give him uh, the chance to uh, to revive his career because you know he definitely has the qualities to play uh, play for. A quality left-sided defender, which is what Rangers needed um, with the departure of Calvin Basilian. Yeah, it looks like a good sign. Um, certainly, a player. Coming from a big club, he's not been at Liverpool without being a talented footballer. Uh, and as Giovanni Van Bronckhorst says, an opportunity for him to revive his career perhaps. I think to have that natural left side as well and um, reinforcements, whether Borna Barisic is, is there long term for Rangers or not. I think he was a player that goes through his moments of inconsistency. Um, so I think you need options and Bassey certainly offered you that last season. He offered you consistency, he offered you that versatility. And when you look at, you know, defensively bringing in the likes of John Souter in there as well, um, who's a calming influence and a fairly astute defender, you know, it's positive signs for Rangers when you look at, you know, a number of weeks ago there was some question marks over the business that they were doing and was it a bit quiet in comparison to, to Celtic and the players that they had brought in, but they looked to be moving and certainly gathering pace quite quickly. £19.6 million is the fee for Calvin Bassey. Uh, could go up by, by another maybe £3 million, uh, with add-ons, but it is a, a record uh, number on the back of... Uh, 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 Nathan Patterson, of course, I think it was eleven and a half was the was the down payment figure for him when he went to to Everton. Um, and there is that feeling that that uh, the complexion has changed in Scottish football. We touched on it earlier on uh, mm-hmm. the the prices that top players here get. I mean, hopefully gone are the days where clubs came here looking for a bargain. 
and rightly so. You look at the quality of players that we've, we've produced, Rob, now and consistently. Um, the players that have come through our own youth development at clubs or the players that have come to Scottish football to, to make a name for themselves and embrace an opportunity. The likes of a Calvin Bassey, a Joe Aribo, uh, and then you look at, you know, a Nathan Patterson, a Kieran Tierney that have, you know, offered the clubs big money moves and, and they've certainly benefited from that. So I think everybody wins in the sense that, you know, Scottish footballers had these players operating here for a number of years now. They've certainly added to the quality in the league. They've certainly helped with the fact that um, the likes of Rangers have gone on a, a European run uh, and the other clubs have secured, like Celtic with a Champions League football and whatnot. And other clubs in Europe and, and down in England should be paying the price, you know, and, and even, I think, by some standards, they're still not paying enough. But I think it's hard to probably increase your price when maybe for others it's difficult to prove how good the, the domestic league actually is up here or how good the players are because it's a different type of um, different style of football in Scotland you hear players speaking about that a lot so um, but 230,000 for Calvin Bassey mm. and, and he makes a move like that after such a short time uh, as a first team player you know it's outstanding and I'm sure whoever's doing the, the books at Rangers will be quite pleased because I think that in terms of a business prospect and generating that type of money over such a short period of time um, would certainly put a smile on your face Absolutely looked up there uh, at the screen in the studio saw Jack Ross speak about him in a minute but still on Rangers uh, the other signings recently of uh, Rabi Matondo uh, and Tom Lawrence, here's the manager, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Well, yeah, they, they bring uh, their their qualities into the squad. You know, we have a, we have a big squad, and uh, you know, we have to give everyone minutes. So uh, some players came a bit later in preseason, especially the the new players. But uh, I'm happy they they both had a positive impact in the game. You know, uh, Robbie with his with his speed, and, and Tom, you know, is a clever player, uh, which he showed the uh, case uh, so many times for Derby and. Uh, you know, today again, he was, um, you know, especially in the second half where we, I think, dominated the midfield with the pockets we could find and then, you know, speed up the game to create chances. So uh, first 20 minutes was really, uh, really good. I guess uh, the question still to be answered at Rangers in terms of further signings might centre on, on who leaves, who else leaves. Joe Rebo's gone, Calvin Bassey's gone, uh, Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos are in last year of their contract and there continues to be a, a fair bit of noise around Glenn Kamara as well. Yeah, and he's the one player, again, when you look at it from a, a financial point of view, the money that they could make, you know, a player that they paid £50,000 mm. for. Uh, if there's money to be made on Glenn Kamara and, and it's a move that the the player, you know, thinks is the right move and the club agree, it could happen. You know, I don't think they're in the same position this season or the same urgency uh, to hold on to him, you know, because I think there is players there now that can come in and, and do a job, certainly. Um, but Glenn Kamara maybe went off the boil towards the tail end of last season as well, so for him he might feel the, the time is right to move on if that comes. But, you know, I've seen snippets of, of the Rangers' performance the other day and the goals. Tom Lawrence, to me, looks like he could be a top operator um, and it was only a couple of moments that I seen but I think early on when you look at a player the way that uh, they move the way they get about the pitch and the composure and the finish and the assist that he got the other night just looked to me like he, he was a really good player you know good decision making under pressure um, and could be a really good signing because goals if Rangers were to lose the likes of an Alfredo Morelos 
is something that they need to replace. Let's talk about Jack Ross before we go and Dundee United. Uh, we've just seen Stephen Fletcher on the telly talking there. Uh, what a good signing he could prove uh, to be. Dylan Levitt has come back for another couple of years as well. Uh, Jack Ross has made some pretty smart signings uh, for a team um, who have already qualified for Europe, of course. Yeah, I think importantly, um, they got Ian Harks over the line as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think his contract situation was a bit strange in the sense that it was almost allowed to run out before they then decided that he would extend his stay, which you don't often see. Um, I think he kicked on again last season, had a really good season. Dylan Levitt, you know, was huge. I think he would have been identified really early on by the club, perhaps before Jack Ross came in, but certainly Jack Ross would have identified that, you know, him as a player that he would want back. Real young talent, um, lots of strengths to his game, you know, hungry, um, lots of desire going forward, gives you those moments, gives you those goals. And I think if he can go and link with a Stephen Fletcher that comes in and gives you that experience up top that perhaps a, a Charlie Mulgrew gave them last season, come in defensively, you start to look at the spine of the team and it looks really strong. You know, and I think Jack Ross will be excited about what he can build at Dundee United. You know, they've got that European um, spot as well. So mm. their season could kick off um in a positive manner. They had a good place finish last season, so they could, you know, they've got the ambitions to go and match that again this year. They've kept the majority of the squad from last season as well. And I just think it'll be interesting to see how Jack Ross tweaks that side, you know, to the way that Tam Courts would have played with him last year because they, they managed to finish in that top half of the table. So it's exciting times. The only thing that maybe you could raise question marks is that how often Dundee United have changed their manager over the last number of years and how stable the club look yeah. um, when it comes down to that. But I guess only time will tell. And I don't think Jack Ross would have taken that job if he didn't have no. the backing of the club uh, at least for a, a number of years to go and try and you know match and, and yeah. get to the levels that he did with Hibs. And certainly when you look at the signings so far, uh, it looks pretty promising that Dundee United could be on the up and up and maybe uh, they'll make an impact on European football. Will Motherwell make an impact on European football tonight? Uh, kick-off less than two hours away at Fir Park. It's Motherwell against Sligo Rovers. It's Europa Conference League. It's the second qualifying round and of course unlike Motherwell uh, Sligo Rovers are in the middle of their league campaign they've played 23 games Leon. they have and that could be the that could be the difference tonight you know I think Motherwell have the home advantage I'm excited to see how the the guys got on the new pitch as well has been relayed there's a lot of work that's been put into that over the, the summer uh, it's been a, a slow builder but certainly there's grass on it now and, and white lines so hopefully it will be ready for them tonight but the new hybrid pitch um, will be good you know, moving forward this season as well it gets that Fir Park pitch back up to the standards that we've been accustomed to over the last number of years um, the fact that Sligo as you mentioned are in season when you've got that momentum when you've got games I don't think anything gives you match sharpness quite like competitive matches and they've played a whole number of them Motherwell have had a strong pre-season I know they've, they've travelled away as a group they've certainly got a lot of running in the legs a lot of time spent together Graham Alexander again will look to try and tweak the system and, and the team to what it looked like last year again new players come in they'll be looking to hit the ground running and they've got an opportunity to do that tonight in front I think it'll be a decent crowd at Fur Park you know, yeah, certainly a good so. night for it as well um, and the fans will be hoping that they're at least in the tie and certainly in a good position to, to travel to their way match Let's start the way uh, let's even finish the way we started we were talking about Aaron Moy speaking about his uh, move to Celtic the Australian international midfielder um, what about the gaffer uh, how is he? Because he knows him well. He's still intimidating, yeah. Uh, 
I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, he just has that aura about him. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know what else to say. He's he's done he's done an amazing job so far at Celtic, and I'm sure he will continue to do well. It's an interesting response, that, isn't it? It's a 31-year-old midfielder. He's been around the block <laughs> a few times, and he still finds Ange so Postecoglou intimidating. Yeah, it's interesting, but I think it's maybe a good thing because he he knows him so well. Um, he'll spend an awful lot of time with him. They'll have that working relationship. Certainly, I don't think it would, would stretch much further than that. I don't think any manager now really is friends with players, um, which keeps you on your toes. But I think to have that respect, which and Postecoglou seems to have an abundance for his players and, and all his staff that he works with, um, I don't think Aaron Moy would beat Celtic if he didn't motivate him as a player, yeah. albeit he intimidates him, which is quite a strange combination. But clearly, in, intimidation um, works for him and that's the reason why he's put pen to mm. paper and, and come to Celtic um, but it'll be interesting uh, I think it, you know going back to as you say at the top of the show it's another um, familiar signing for Ange Postecoglou a player that he's invested in previously and is happy to go and invest and again and perhaps give him another chance in his career to hit the heights Champions League football to look forward to um, go and showcase his ability 31 years old I don't think you're ever too old to show how good you can be and a lot of midfielders like that and another one we'll get, to hit another one to hit the ground running we'll get, as well. We'll get yeah. Better with age, yeah. you know, and could get a, a number of years out of him if it goes well. So only time will tell. But um let's just hope he does sound a, he looks more excited than he sounds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lovely to see you, Leanne. Thanks a lot. Very right, quick guys, hour that was. Good luck to Motherwell tonight. I'm back tomorrow night, and it's uh, Craig Moore alongside. The Go Radio Football Show with MacklinMotors.com, representing some of the biggest motoring manufacturers across Scotland. Let's go, go, go. Service your existing car with us right now, and it's worth £500 off your next car. Yes, at Macklin Motors Toyota, we'll give you a £500 voucher off any of our brand new Toyotas when you book in for a service with our expert Toyota trained technicians. We even have complimentary courtesy cars available, so book your service now and get £500 off any new Toyota. Visit macklinmotors.co.uk or see us at Kennishead Road, Darnley. Macklin Motors, the new name for Toyota sales and servicing in Glasgow. Valid on services till 30th September, excludes Motability and Fleet customers, £1,500 voucher per vehicle purchased by 31st December.